Hi, Rudy Rodriguez here, and welcome to today's episode of the High Profit Event Show. On today's episode, we have a very special guest, uh, Mr. Richard Blank. Welcome to the show, sir. Great to be here, Rudy. Thank you so much for having me on your show today. Most definitely. And uh, Richard's coming to us all the way from uh, Costa Rica. Is that right? Pura <laughs> Vida. I'm here in Central America. been here for the last 22 years. Mm-hmm. Pura Vida. I love that saying. I have a t-shirt that says Pura Vida. It's, it's a green shirt. It's one of my favorite shirts <laughs> from when I visited Costa Rica. And uh, for our audience, um, a little bit about Richard. And he actually runs a professional call center in Costa Rica. And he's been doing this for uh, running his own business for four, over 14 years. And prior to that, you know, has over a decade of experience. He actually moved to Costa Rica when he was 24 years old and just became a professional in the field. And in fact, uh, you know, he's trained over 500 employees for one of the largest call centers in Central America. And he provide, currently provides services to a variety of industries and a variety of niches. And he's just an overall expert in the field of communication and managing call center and creating a culture, which is really cool and unique, which I'd love to talk to you about. Um, that pinball machine you got behind you and, and why you have that. <laughs> but uh, Richard, again, welcome to the show, sir. And I think for our audience, if you can kind of give us a little bit about your story, maybe your background, maybe tell us a little bit about what took you to Costa Rica and what eventually brought you into the industry. And, and then we can speak to the show topic of how to get more people to to show up and attend um, their events. I would love to share my special sauce later on how to increase your attendance and conversions there, of course. My story begins back in Northeast Philadelphia in 1991 when I graduated Abington High School. The majority of my friends were going Ivy League to study medicine and law, engineering and architecture. They had plans, Rudy. I myself, my favorite class was Spanish. And so I doubled down on it. I decided to go to the University of Arizona and be a Spanish communication major. And just like yourself, a professional in public speaking rhetoric. And I also enjoyed nonverbal communication. So everyone also needs something as well. Post-grad, I worked for the importers of Corona. During college, I interned for Telemundo. And so when I was in my mid-20s, I believed that I was prepared enough in regards to language and selling and promotion skills to move to Costa Rica. And so I was given an opportunity from a good friend of mine just to come down for a couple months to work at his call center and teach English. And when I stepped off the plane in Central America, and you know this from personal experience, Costa Rica is gorgeous. And I fell in love with it. And when I was at the call center, I realized, unlike what you've seen on TV and in the movies, there's a lot of amazing people that earn a living doing customer support and outbound prospecting. And so I was amongst hundreds upon hundreds of 20-year-old Costa Rican Ticos that were on the phone, speaking in English, getting positive escalations, and really fulfilling their job. And so it inspired me. I almost shed a skin that day. I realized that this is what I wanted to do. This is where I wanted to live. And unlike a C-level executive or somebody that knows the finances and contracts, I pretty much learned the business from the inside out. I started as an agent. I learned retention, customer support, sales, human resources, accounting, onboarding, even search engine optimization. And so my good friend offered me an opportunity for almost graduate school to learn this business. Now, I know you're expecting a a teenage whiz kid or somebody in their 20s that's a genius and ramps up a company. Rudy, we discussed prior to this podcast that it took me into my mid-30s to be mature enough and have impulse control and enough money saved where I felt that I knew the industry well enough to throw my hat in the ring, 
take off for a year, start a business. And so as much as I'd like to tell you there's a shortcut or some sort of tip and trick, a lot of it has to do with persistence and pretty much the dedicated practice that you and I do when we're off the air, all, all the times we prepare ourselves for our meetings. And so that's what I just wanted to share with your audience today. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing the, uh, the true story behind your success. I think it's oftentimes overlooked. People see the, uh, the end result and they think it's an overnight thing. <laughs> But like you said, there's no shortcut, and uh, you put in, you, yeah, right. But you put in the work, and uh, and so much of the work that even goes unseen, um, like you said, you know, off off camera, off meetings, all the work that you prepare, do to prepare. So thank you for that context. We I love that mindset stuff that that um, we pull into the show too. So so you started your business uh, in your mid thirties, and you know you obviously garnered a lot of experience over the last fourteen plus years. I'm curious, uh, Richard, if you can maybe speak a little bit to um, the show topic of how um, you've been able to, because I know you shared an experience with me where you were setting appointments for a particular niche and helping set up, uh, having people show up to their event. Can you speak a little bit to that and, you know, best practices from that perspective? Excellent question. This was a very unique campaign that I had pre-COVID. We were calling CTOs and IT professionals to go to computer seminars just uh, for their own certifications and, and to upgrade their skills. And so this specific vertical and profile, you're dealing with a lot of people that are non-voice working, they're coding, or they have more introverted skills, which is fine. They're brilliant, but you know, once again, they like to be left alone. So one of our challenges is A, to get through to that department and B, to be able to converse with them enough to sell the sizzle, to get that commitment, to walk them through what they're about to go through. And especially the sort of follow-ups that we do. The one thing that I suggested for my client is when they do these reminder emails or thank you emails, it was more of like an email template, which is fine. But I also believe an extra 30 seconds by custom making it, by not just saying, sir, you put in Rudy, mention the name of your company. And maybe there could have been something on this call between you and I that um, was an anchoring. It was a moment where we connected together. And I would like to recap the fact of when we bonded or the certain interests that you have, or even if you had a promotion at your company, how long you've been that chief technical officer. I'd like to mention that and give you a positive escalation on that letter, just to build the momentum and sell the sizzle. And so when I'm calling you back to remind you, these are not cold calls again. These are courtesy follow-up reminders of the verbal commitment that we had earlier. Now, when you're a CTO, and I'm just using one specific example, that that was the main event that I worked for for a long time with this client, over a year. So we were making events all across the United States and Canada. And so we kind of realized how to divert an IVR to be able to get through to a department. We kind of understood the jargon and the lingo and the timeframe in which they like to speak. We kind of knew the other things that would motivate them to sign up and want to go. And so for us, it was very important since we were not experts in the IT industry that we were able to be trained enough to know exactly the sort of event we were representing, which trigger words and areas to get very excited over You know, and just once again, instead of just trying to be very technical, we were doing it more on the empathetic side. We were really looking into increasing their job stability, 
their skill set, their experience. And it really wasn't selling, Rudy, because a lot of people claim that there are salesmen out there that force a hand or, or make the close. No, really from an educated point of view, these individuals made a decision to make the commitment and also to go to these events. So it was a multiple touching process and where we just wanted to ensure that not only were they reminded, but they were done in a certain professional way, not to kill the call and to make them very excited to go. Yeah, thank you. What I heard from uh, inside of that, Richard, a few, a few key points um, that I wanna emphasize. One, uh, framing it as a professional courtesy, yes. right? Like you're calling um, to remind them of a previous conversation, a previous agreement they've made. And uh, this is simply just you know, uh, a professional courtesy, which I think is really important when, when making those confirmations. Two, what I heard you say is really speaking to the, the benefit to them. Like, why is it that they're attending this event for them specifically um, and, and speaking in the terms of the benefit, not the technical jargon, but like what's in it for them, right? Because people don't attend an event because they want to have nothing better to do for two or three days of their life. No, they're there because they want to benefit, getting curious to that and speaking to that. So um, I thought that was a really important point that you, uh, that I heard you make there. Exactly. And, um, you know, a lot of the speakers that you have at these events, or it could be something that's very unique. But, but to me, I, I think it's more of the networking. It gives them a chance to find other individuals that are in their, their field. And I always find that it's fascinating when you meet other people that share the same interests and you can build upon that. So they're really going into a, a comfortable, secure environment when they're going to these seminars. It's, it's not like they're going to something completely off the spectrum that they have no experience in and really don't wanna be there. What we've also found is with COVID, a lot of people are apprehensive about going into public spaces or making those sort of commitments because things change and rules change. And I'm okay with that. The most important thing, Rudy, is that there are no surprises. I just wanna make sure if things come up that we're very forthright with those with whom we're speaking, just to make sure their schedule, their time, their commitments are respected because we're asking them to give us time, our time for our event. We're trying to make the sale, we're trying to bring them on board and life happens. And so, as I mentioned before, a lot of these calls have to deal with family issues, health issues, or other responsibilities and obligations. And instead of me and you just trying to lock them in, maybe we can take a couple steps back and just listen. And with the respect that we have for their schedule and, and their commitments, there may be a way to find a spot to meet in the middle. So every single phone call is custom made. Do not expect to make it like cookie cutter because not everybody fits into that mold. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for clarifying that. And uh, one, one of the things that you also, we spoke about briefly before the interview is this idea of uh, you training your agent uh, to be a good match with uh, the person that they're, the company that they're account they're on or the company they're representing and uh, making sure that there's that custom communication, like you mentioned. Um, can you speak to that a little bit? Because I think that's, a, I think, quite helpful. Uh, like, hey, how do you craft the message, you know, for the phone call? And how do you train the person properly to make sure that they're communicating the message so that it's received well? And how do you actually have the customer pick up the phone and, you know, make that, you know, confirm that commitment that they're 
going to attend the event? Extremely intelligent question. And it's two words, due diligence. As I'm representing your company, I will make sure to know your website inside and out, your company culture and the things that make it tick. But while I'm making these prospecting calls, instead of making 100 calls a day, Rudy, why don't we make 89 calls a day where we can spend an extra 30 seconds to go on LinkedIn or to your website and to be able to gauge certain things that are important to you and your company culture. So I can make the follow-up email template custom-made. When I'm calling into your company, it would be very important for me as well to know individuals that may be answering the call, the, the, the first stage of the impression of the company. So while I'm speaking to somebody prior to being transferred to you to get that commitment, I could also be doing a positive escalation where Rudy, after I've spoken to your assistant, prior to even pitching you on this event, I'm gonna let you know how amazing this individual is. And so what I'm trying to do prior to any sort of contract or commitment on your end, I'm just letting you know that we are representing ourselves in the best light. And we're also really showing admiration and respect with those that work with you. And so this is the sort of momentum and the sort of things on the, the soft skills on the side that will separate you from any other event planning business because all they're doing is crunching the numbers, sending out emails and hoping for the best. Slow down for a minute. I know there's a sense of urgency. I'm not sure how large your list is, but taking one extra minute to talk to you, Rudy, for you to talk to me, for us to have the poor Vita connection, the chances are that you are gonna be bringing a lot more people to your event. And then while they're at the event, it's just saying, hey, Rudy, nice to see you. No, in front of 10 people, I could say, Rudy lives in Puerto Rico, has been to Costa Rica, this is my main man. So it's just an excellent way for people to introduce to other people. So someone wouldn't feel comfortable walking into a group of five people that already had a conversation. You're already introducing this individual because you know them. So it's not just bringing them to the event. What are you bringing to the event? And if I can have three or four different aspects of an individual that makes them unique or something to have in common, then I could put certain groups together that will then expand as well. I can only do so much speaking, but if I have 20 different rock stars that are there, they can then expand in those sort of groups. So once again, I'm thinking more of the people and there's a lot of people out there that if you motivate them enough, they could speak more than you would for your event. And so, as I mentioned before, there are these certain things that you can connect with people to be able to add that sort of momentum and energy that would assist us in building the attendance. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah, so what I'm hearing inside of that is part of that pre-event conversation is getting to know the person, taking the time to get to know them, check out their website, uh, get a few pieces of information so that when it comes time for the event, um, it's you recognize them, you can introduce them, you know, they feel welcome, they feel like they're already, you know, part of your community. And sure. I think that's super important, even if it's, you know, the person making the call isn't the person that greets them at the event, but being able to take a few notes and, and being able to pass those notes on, I think, um, is really helpful. And uh, you mentioned it before, edif edification, right? Like being able to speak about the, the person or the event that they're going to and speak highly of it gets them getting them excited to uh to attend you mentioned a term called positive escalation a couple times and i wonder if you can just give a quick definition of what you mean by that 
uh, just for our, our listeners so we know what you meant by that. Rudy, do you have an individual that assists you at your company, somebody that answers the phone? Uh, yes. What is that individual's name? Uh, her name, uh, we have a couple, uh, one of which would be uh, Anya. Okay. So Anya, when she answers the phone and I introduce myself and we have a nice relationship and then when she transfers the call, I would let you know prior to even introducing myself, I'm going to give you an anonymity company spike that Anna with your company is doing an amazing job. And who's to say that you wouldn't bring this individual with you to the event? And so what I'm trying to do is a positive escalation is to escalate in a certain way, those that work with you, right? And so instead of hanging up on me or, or saying, no, we're good, thanks, I've complimented the company, I've repeated her questions, I'm gonna let you know that this individual is amazing, chances are they're gonna go with you. Or on the flip side, when you show up at the event, and even though, as you mentioned, the individual myself that prospected you, got the commitment and you showed up, who's to say that when you're not there and you say, Richard sent me, I love Richard. And then the 10 people you're like, yeah, I spoke to Richard too. It could be a Richard party. And so positive escalation is the synergy. It's all the parts working for the common good of the whole. Instead of just calling you, there's a chance I can get three more people from your company to go just because I was passed around before even speaking with you. And they like me so much they're going to go with you on a Thursday night. And so we've seen just by positive escalation, and even though they're not a chief technical officer or the owner of the company, there's no reason why you wouldn't bring this individual with you if they like me and they want to go and they just want to sit with you. And so we've been able to increase attendance on people that just weren't even qualified to be there because they wanted to go with the people qualified. So it was Rudy plus one. There's no problem with that in an event. Why not? You know, it just has more people that are going to be there just to bring up the energy. So, so don't kid yourself. There might be some people there that, once again, are not qualified as the, as the individual contact that we were calling. But there's no reason why, you know, people love friends. And if more people want to go and just enjoy the moment, I think it's fantastic. So our invitations, if I make a, a suggestion, was open for anybody at any organization as long as we had the room for them. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Thank you for clarifying what you meant by, by positive escalation. And do it um, in writing, if I may. Let's say you're calling a company. It doesn't have to be for event planning, but I speak to you and you had three individuals that assisted me prior to the call. When I'm doing the follow-up email to you, I will mention them in writing. So when I do call you back for that reminder phone call, your assistant's gonna love to transfer me again and say, oh, Richard, we've been waiting for you. Oh, he's good to go, but you can speak to him as well. It's not just you. Once again, it are these individuals that are assisting and supporting you. And if I try to sidestep them, if I pretend they're not important, then that's terrible. But if I can shower praise on them, once again, we could potentially increase our attendance by 20% or you're gonna say, you know what, Richard's such a great guy. And prior to this event, look how he's treating my people. This definitely is the sort of company I'd like to work with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, awesome. Thank you for clarifying that. And Richard, you know, we have a, just a, a minute or two remaining in our interview time here. And uh, I wanted to make sure that we got, you got the opportunity to talk about the, uh, the pinball machine you have behind you and, uh, and you know, why you have that and some of the, the, the culture stuff that you've built and you mentioned to me, so. Uh, can you share a little bit about that with us? Thank you so much. I really appreciate this. It's like class time to recess time. I love gamification. I love the medium of play for my agents. So people in other departments can meet one another. They can let off steam, recharge their batteries. 
Also, since I grew up in the 1970s and 80s, arcades were huge. And down here, I, it used to be a hobby and now it's an obsession. And since I can afford it and have the room for it, I go treasure hunting. I currently have 13 pinball machines, six jute boxes, an air hockey table, and I'm not finished. A couple times a month, I will go out to a place a couple hours away and kick a tire. And right behind me is a 1961 Ricola Regis that I got for just a couple hundred bucks. And I love restoring these beautiful machines. Most of them are older than the agents working here. They all say they played pinball, but they did it online. But you and I both know there's a lot of things that are better real life than on the computer. And one of them are pinball machines. And if you ever heard Elton John's Pinball Wizard and The Who covered it as well, you really can feel the buttons, the bumpers, the flippers, the lights, the action. You, you become one with the machine. And, and if I can uh, have that bonding with my agents in this neutral, safe environment, I will reduce attrition. More people will make friends. And don't kid yourself, when they come back after break, they're more refreshed and ready to go than if they went outside to have a cigarette or sit on their phone looking at Instagram. So those are the sort of environments that I've created where it's neutral, it's fun, and it's just cool to have pinball machines and arcade machines in your office. Yeah, that's fun, man. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that. I recently went to an arcade with some, took some young kids to an arcade, um, and it was a nickel case, and they had all these old uh, machines and arcade games, and I just go back and play these games that I played as a kid. And Can and you name me one or a few? What, what, what machines did you play? I mean, this was not a, this was a, still a video game. I played Mortal Kombat. I think it was like Mortal Kombat 3, which I played when I was like 10 years old or something. We have like the that. ultimate edition downstairs. Uh-huh. Everyone's, <laughs> we have a line of people to play that. Of course. What else did you play? Uh, I forgot what else I played that day. Um, you I don't think do we retro around. gaming though. You don't do Pac-Man or Asteroids like me, or is that too old school? I have in the past, but I didn't this time around. <laughs> it's boring. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, but it's fun. <laughs> Everyone can play. It's just one button play. But, exactly. Uh, it's simple. But um, I wanted them to do stuff, as you mentioned, like Mortal Kombat with the machines where you could do your PlayStation and your Xbox at home or games on your phone. I really wanted to give them, and it's free play. I don't charge them. I, I wanted to give them that sort of cool gaming experience, but I'm so glad that you like that. It's you know, I hope it makes a comeback. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Things do work in cycles. But uh, Richard, we just have a, a minute left here. Uh, what would be the best way for people to learn more, reach you, or learn more about what you do? What would be Thanks, the best Rudy. way for listeners to connect with you? First thing is you can buy a first-class plane ticket and fly down here and come visit me. But if that's not happening today, you can give me a call at 888-271-6750. Shoot me an email at CEO at Costa Rica's callcenter.com. And one last thing, if I may make a suggestion, we have a very large Facebook fan page. I have 97,000 Costa Rican Ticos are there. And so it can give you a real pulse on the Costa Rican BPO market, business process outsourcing. We're in Central America, proximity to the United States, a democratic society, excellent infrastructure. There's no standing army, 95% literacy rate. And as I mentioned, Amazon, HP, Intel, and Oracle are here. So we have a wonderful labor force. And so go onto that page. You'll see what's going on during the day. There's a lot of stuff happening at night because we're a lot of fun in Costa Rica. And um, Rudy, I can't thank you enough. I really enjoyed spending time with you and your audience today. And I think your topic of event planning is fascinating. And if done properly, 
you should pack the house. Standing room only. That's right. Thank you, Richard. Appreciate you being our guest on the show. And for our listeners, uh, if you found value from today, be sure to share this episode with someone who you think would benefit from hearing Richard's message. As well, if you haven't already, do subscribe to our show. We release a new episode on a weekly basis. Uh, thank you again, Richard, for being a guest on the show. We'll go ahead and call it a wrap. Thank you so much, Rudy.